The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired on, let's see here, yeah, February 5th, 2008, and this was the original description, excuse me, the original title, uh, which was, I Cry Bull, There Is No Talent Shortage, and this was the original description. Jim and Karen, well, mostly Karen, discussed the myth of the talent shortage, a popular topic among many in HR, the recession, the economy, and how it all affects recruiting. Tune in now to hear the rants, complaints, disagreements, emotional outbursts, and political discourse that have become commonplace in this podcast. Smile. Also, be sure to scroll down to the bottom of this post for a list of articles related to the topics discussed herein. I will share a link to the original description, along with all of the related articles, uh, in the uh, podcast description. For now, um, for now, there will be a special message, and then we'll hear what was said way back on February 5th, 2008, right after this special message. Critical race theory supports the logic that all whites are born racist and oppressors by nature. They are to be viewed as a collective threat to non-white people and beyond redemption. This sentiment is already infecting the American workplace via racial sensitivity and diversity trainings. Despite the obvious controversy, such trainings are being accepted as just and fair and at an alarming pace across corporate America. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is an ebook that I wrote. In it, I do three things. One, I explain the basics of critical race theory. Two, I demonstrate how critical race theory is negatively affecting the American workplace. And three, I hope, I hope, I inspire a resistance to critical race theory being taught in the workplace. In light of the increased sensitivity to recent events like the George Floyd protests, the emergence of council culture, and the pressures on corporations to adhere to political correctness, the information in my ebook, Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace, is a counterbalance that should be carefully considered prior to new investments in diversity training. Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is a free resource that can be downloaded and, by all means, shared with those in your network. A download link is available in the podcast description. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Madden, and, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. SGA, Executive Tracker Pro, is an online service providing contact information on thousands of executives at each of the top public and private companies. And here are these people. It is 100%, yes, 100% telephone verified. 
constantly updated, highly accurate, and comprehensive. With SGA Executive Tracker Pro, you have at your fingertips the contact information of C-level executives and all of those essential director and management level personnel that you just can't seem to find anywhere else. Listen up, people. SGA Executive Tracker Pro can dramatically shorten the amount of time it takes you to find the best leads. Hey, pick up the phone right now and give them a call. Tell them Jim Stroud said, I could have a free 15-minute online demonstration of your product, and I want to see it right now. The number you need to make that happen is 518-843-4611. That's 518-843-4611. And, of course, you can also find them online at www.sgaexecutivetracker.com. Hello, this is the long-suffering Jim Stroud and my co-host... <laughs> Karen Madden, are you Karen? I'm fine, and thanks, Jim, for having me on. Why, why do I say I'm long-suffering today? Pardon me? Why am I saying that I'm long-suffering? Because you just heard an airful of me ranting and raving. Yes, yes, I did, and you know what? I had to cut you off and say, look, why don't you just rant on the air so people can hear this so they can share in my pain as well. Well, although it is although it is quite interesting, and although we have been arguing back and forth on it for a while, I want to get other people to listen to uh, what you have to say as well, and maybe get some comments and feedback from them, and then we'll see uh, where the argument will end or continue. Well, okay, first off, i got to say thank you for letting me put this out there, because this is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, our economy... It is pretty much one of the worst it has been, and it's been like this for over a year. People That's are, not what economists say. That's not what I hear in the news. I hear uh, the news actually, that go ahead. I hear in the news that we're doing pretty good, actually. Well, and, well, actually, let me take that back. I've, I've been hearing until recently oh, okay. that we've been doing pretty well. Well, then you really need to read the deal, the Department of Labor statistics, and then also start watching a site which is um, called Epi.org, which is what the economists use. Okay. NP.org? EPI.org. What does it stand for? These guys, I don't remember what it stands for, but these guys do the economy. They're actual physical researchers who do a lot of research on the economy. (laughs) It's very accurate, very specific. Most economists use it. And the reason it becomes more considered to be one of the most accurate out there because it's not aligned, not political. Oh, it's an independent firm? It's an independent firm, but what it would actually utilizes resources from other places as well, like university schools and such like, too. All right. Okay. Some kind, of, some kind of think tank. Now, here's the situation that a lot of people don't know, and that's just so shocking. Hmm. That unemployment jobs right now, you know, unemployment has been actually, this is, I mean, it, this is just so shocking to me, okay? I, I, I got to get this kind of like. Into the, the calm, Karen, calm down kind of situation, okay? Please. But unemployment has been pathetically bad for the past year plus. In what markets? Unemployment numbers, the claim job claims, had been going down for the past year, 2007. Hmm. For all of 2007, the economy added 1.3 million new jobs, a million fewer than were added in 2006. 
Okay, now some people may hear that and say a million jobs is good. What do you think would would have been good? Okay, a million jobs fewer. That means oh, we had a less than half, almost close to less than half the amount of jobs. But yet unemployment kept being at 4.5%. So you're saying it doesn't make sense to lose a million jobs uh, a quarter, a quarter or a year? You can't afford to lose jobs when you have Well, every, I know. Well, you can't afford to lose jobs, period. But. Period. But you can't also, especially when the fact that you every year we have another couple million people entering the economy. I see. So for every person, so in general terms, for every one person, for every person entering the job force, there is half of a job missing. Uh, at least, because you got to remember, too, some of the people who are working today are working, I mean, two or three jobs. In fact, this econ- this generation is one of the most work, worked generations because of, of the recession, not because of recession, but because of how expensive the uh, consumer prices have been. I mean, for example, did you, a lot of people don't know this. Consumer prices is the highest in 17 years, and wages have consistently been going down for the past five years. Four times in the past five years, wages have seen increasingly going down. But yet, consumer prices, inflation, has risen, and it's the highest in 17 years. So you've got all these kids having to pay off their school loans, living with mommy and daddy, trying to pay for a car, Okay, and they have to work two or three jobs. So, again, we have less jobs in the market, but people working two or three jobs. And guess who is being hurt the most in the long-term unemployment aspect? Who? Minorities. I mean, blacks, unfortunately, are playing the highest role on this, too. Do you know that black people, in, in, in predominantly, their unemployment numbers are almost twice the amount of their white counterparts? Yeah, I think we mentioned that in, in uh, our previous podcast about and that. And their salaries are twi- are being hit immensely as well. But then female females have been hit a little bit, but we're also gets tremendously hurt are the, the seniors, the ones who said we can't afford to retire. So the senior workforce who cannot re- afford to retire is getting hurt the most. No, by... I would say blacks and seniors are probably about equal. Hmm. I mean, because blacks, literally, their numbers are almost as twice as high in unemployment as their white counterparts. And these numbers you're quoting are from the Department of Labor? or Department no? of Labor. Yeah. You can go to the Department of Labor. They pulled out their information this uh, in, the last, in the last couple of weeks, we've been pulling out a lot of this information. Yeah. Okay. In fact, now, one of the things, how, why does this affect us? First off, if you can't get a house, I mean, first off, we got a housing market issue, okay, where you're seeing California, for example, um, our bankruptcies rose 90%. Yeah, that's pretty well known, right? Right, exactly. Well, not just California. So everybody go ahead and go, oh, gosh, it's just California. No, this is worldwide. But California bankruptcies raised 90% in this past year alone, okay? So now you got all these people burning, also burning houses down. We got a tremendous problem with arson happening in California right now too. For the insurance? Mm-hmm. Because they can't afford to pay the house, they don't want to go ahead. Oh wow! So they'll burn the house because they can't so pay for it. Not just, but not just houses. Businesses are also doing it too. Wait a minute! You telling me in California right now, people are burning their houses and their businesses fraudulently? There has been some major insurance. problems with it. You can go look this up. And you could type in arsons. In fact, I think NBC did a uh, report on it recently. Wouldn't these? Wouldn't people think that okay, if they're all of a sudden all these houses and businesses are burning spontaneously, that there's fraud available, so that, that they shouldn't yeah, do it? Yeah, but it's how do you prove it? Okay, but yeah, that's the reason we're seeing. That's why question marks are coming up because there's a lot more fires happening recently. Okay, mm. and it's sad. 
Because what happens is, is that these individuals no longer are stimulating the economy. And every time these people who are not working, they're not helping stimulate the economy. So that means less jobs involved in the economy. You must have a, you know, it's got to be like a balance, okay, supply and demand. And the thing is, everybody says, okay, we know George Bush is going to be giving us this big, huge, you know, rebate, like how they did back in 2001. And they're like, what, 200 bucks? everybody gets $200 or something it like that? It doesn't matter how much. You could give us $1,000, but most of these people are not going to, you're not going to see it stimulated in the economy because they're going to be paying off credit card loans. They're going to be paying off housing loans. They're going to be creating off car debts. So it's not going to stimulate the economy. They're going to be paying off school loans. And guess what? This is what happened in 2001. It didn't stimulate the economy. So why are we, again, not learning from our past mistakes? Right now, I just read this, and it's so, so sad. Did you know that Citibank right now is going out of their way to make sure that they – I think it's Citibank. Let me, prefer, let me make sure I get this right, okay? Yeah. Okay, but – yeah, Citigroup, Citigroup, i got to say this. Citigroup, one of the largest bank and credit card firms in the United States, has announced, announced that it's now building a loan loss reserve in anticipation of possible unraveling of auto loan and credit card debt. At the same time, the bank is tending, now beginning to tighten their credit card lending standards. You think? I've seen people getting credit cards when they shouldn't even have one, my son included. Okay, I'm sorry. But, like, this kid has no credit, actually bad credit, and they keep sending me these credit cards, and I'm looking like, whoa, what are you guys doing? I've heard these banks giving them to dead people. To dead people? Yeah, dead people. How can they collect money from dead people? They don't collect it from money, but they offer the credit cards to it because they're giving it to anybody who breathes. They don't care. I mean, you've heard people say that yeah, they get, they send it to my dog. Is that because if if in the times of recession, people are going to much debt, which is, of course is profit for them? Well, yeah. You see, they want the bank the bank they want you to not pay. They do. They get to sell off your loan after three months. They have to after the law states after ninety days they have to stop claiming. I think it's ninety or one hundred eighty days they have to stop bugging you. They can no longer ask you to repay the debt. So now they get a loss. They make products, in other words, they make money off of this. Insurance-wise, government-wise, they get rebate from the government for this loss. They get all kinds of money, right? And then they go ahead and sell it to this guy, this collection agency who's going to bug the hell out of you. Well. And the thing is, this has been going on for so long. I mean, all this time people have been saying, oh, war for talent, war for talent. Well, let me give you an example of those jobs. Somebody just recently responded and said, oh, aerospace, there's a lot of jobs in aerospace. There's a lot of jobs in IT. Wrong. Wrong. The wait, 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 wait. How can there not be jobs in IT? There are some jobs. There are some jobs in IT. But the majority of jobs. Every time I hear about IT, I always hear about look. There are people looking for software developers to the point that they have, are they. But do they have they openings? Have, oh, they have to offshore them because they don't have any here in the country as much because people aren't enrolling in computer science. Oh, uh, is that okay? Here's the deal. So how can there be a shortage of IT help? The pro, Here's the deal. First off. I mean, not shortage, but shortage of jobs. Can I job. say something? First off. Looking at the jobs that actually came out into the market and hearing people saying, oh, we have a shortage of labor, we have a shortage of labor. First off, number one, you have a shortage of labor, you don't lower salaries. Number two, this year was one, last year was one of the worst years in illegal H-1B visas. 
Number three, companies complain all the time we can't find good talent. One of the biggest problems we have with talent is communication issues. So they say this is the communication issues, it's a problem with the employee the new employees coming out in the workforce from college, right? But what do they do? They go over to the middle I mean to South to India and other countries and go ahead and hire somebody that can't even speak English properly. Uh, and then they pay these le- terrible salaries. If they, let me tell you something, you would not go overseas to pay mediocre salaries to people who can't probably even speak English to have your customers pissed off because they can't speak to an American. If you really were wanting to, have, but then unemployment, long-term unemployment is like eighteen percent, which should be eleven percent. But then because you're going ahead and saying we're being too picky to hire someone who's maybe old or black or somebody like that, and then okay, of course, raise wages. Now the thing is, when there was research done just recently, okay, where these guys went into companies and because they kept hearing good talent's hard to find, good talent's hard to find. Well, were there any unfilled positions? No. Were there any openings for these positions? No. So how do you explain that? Because it's kind of like they keep talking about this war for talent. You know, but guess what? Instead, they're firing people. They're letting go of people. They're reducing their job load. We know this for a fact. There were a million less jobs alone last year, and a lot more people fired well, you say to the to the argument that well, some of these jobs are being cut off because they've learned to automate the process from future experiences of the of the of the uh, past recession. They know how to do more with less. That's pretty much what I've been saying in regards to the fact regard when I kept saying there's no war for talent. Mm. That you know we've learned to do more for less and less for more and everything else. Okay, right. but the issue is though is that who they sacrificed. See, because when you stimulate the economy, when you start creating more jobs for people, when you start doing, you start hiring more people and then produce more, and you start raising salary, it goes back into the economy. For everybody who's saying, I don't want to see these salaries get raised, because by the way, we've been having problems for the last 20 years. Okay, we have been. Guess when, about, I'll say 10 to 12 years, I'll say that, okay? Yeah. Specifically. Guess when was our last, really, nationwide, when we last had a raise in, in, in um, minimum wages? When was, we had a raise in minimum wage, uh, what, last year? No, not legally, not nationally. You may be in your city, maybe in your state. By law, Clinton got rid of minimum wage across the country. There's no, there was no federal, there is no federal increase for the last 12 to 15 years. Okay, I mean, and who was president when that increased? Okay, when was when Clinton was in power, was in power, but prior to that, there still hadn't been one. So let's all look at Clinton said, "Hey, I'm going to let every state decide for themselves if they want to go ahead and increase wages." Mm. Okay, that was what he decided. Now that, but that doesn't mean that there was a federal increase before he made that or empire this rule. Okay. Right. But the fact is, we haven't had a federal increase for many, many years, a decade almost, well, well over a decade. Okay. So the problem is, yet now, right now, I mean, we, when you look at our, I mean, when you look at our how our economy is. Okay. The fact that wages have gone down five. Times actually four times in the last five years. That's almost once a year. Wages are going down, but yet our 
Our economy is the worst it's ever been in regards to inflation for in, in 17 years. I mean, think about this, okay, that the cost of energy is up 17%. Eggs up 2.9%. Milk, 13%. A car, 34%. Gasoline prices, 29%. Tuition, 6.2%. And even the cost of a funeral is up 5%. You can't even afford to die. You're just a bundle of sunshine today, aren't you? Pardon? You're just a bundle of sunshine today, aren't you? Oh, I'm so angry because you know why? I'll tell you why, okay? You know, I've been talking about the war, you know, lacking about this, uh, the war for talent and how angry I have been about people promoting this this total scuttlebutt. And I've been saying, look, we're, you know, we've got to look at the long-term unemployment. We need to focus on that because all these people are unemployed. They're hurting. Companies are out there requiring college degrees for secretaries, for God's sake. Let me, I'm let sorry. Me, I'm let, angry here. Right, let me clarify some of this for someone who, who may not be a uh, regular listener. There's been a longstanding, uh, I won't say feud, I'll say argument, on one side uh, where uh, certain experts have been purporting that there is a war for talent and you need to uh, hire as many as you can because it's harder and harder to find good talent, whereas Karen, on the other hand, has been saying there's not a war for talent uh, for the reasons she's been uh, stating in this past. Expounding, yelling, screaming. Yelling, screaming on the air and off the air. <laughs> Which goes back to the long-suffering part of Mr. Parker <laughs> in the podcast. But so fin- finish your argument as to why there's not, because I I read consistently and I hear from a lot of people, people okay. I respect, that they're... Oh, yeah, and the ones that we respect also, this is one of them. Let me see what this one individual said just recently about No me. names, please. No names, okay. Mattman prefers uninformed simplicity to subtle and complex analysis. Yeah, she says there's no labor shortage if you get the right people and treat them well. If you do, then your competitors will be the ones with the labor shortage. Well, okay, duh. That's what this person said about me. Right. I, I'm sorry, but I do my background research. I don't depend on go uh, on Bloomberg for my information. I definitely don't expect, uh, uh, you know, depend on Wall Street Journal. I go to the sources. And what I've been looking at is what the main economists have been saying. Don't look. At unemployment. I mean, I'm sorry. Don't look at unemployment. What do you mean? The unemployment numbers were wrong, and we obviously have seen that. You cannot have a million less jobs adding to the economy with that many more people also coming into the economy every year. And then on top of that, telling me there's no unemployment, the unemployment didn't go get worse. How could that be? I mean, so that's when I was scratching my head last year. Last year, John, August especially, when I saw a million people lose their jobs just from the housing real, you know, the housing financial market. Right, the housing bubble. Right, and I saw unemployment go up 4.5% still, and yet people were, and then the government was saying, oh, the economy was at its best. We have people, I've seen right here in America, we were having, right here in California, we're having just tremendous number of people, you know, doing um, foreclosures on their houses, right? Right. A lot of bankruptcy. In fact, bankruptcy numbers up also 80-something percent, highest ever. Then I'm seeing major issues about credit card debt. I'm like, what are these guys saying the economy's good? They're not. And I, and I know from our earlier conversations online and off that you think a lot of this is just is primarily around election year spin. I think it's a lot to try to create the war spin and allow it to keep money funding funding to the war spin. That's what I believe. 
Let's keep being able to fund, you know, because they kept raising the debt level of America, too. If we could keep raising the debt level in America, then we could then say we're still not in debt. Hmm. Okay, and then we could keep America's people head up in the clouds and let them. If we keep saying unemployment's at the lowest ever, still 4.5%, even though we had a million less jobs coming into the economy, and then we see wages the worst they've been in over five years. And these, again, are statistics you're quoting from the Department of Labor. From the Department of Labor. So so isn't that the news? So so when you hear all these contrary views to what you're saying, that was last year. Now people are talking about it. Now they're all like, oh, okay, we should take our heads out of our butts and now pay attention. Now it's now becoming the big news. Now the same people who are calling me a detractor and saying I was wrong, they're now going, oh, maybe we should be looking at this. Well, duh. You think? Feeling vindicated? No, actually I'm not because I feel like, actually I feel like frustrated because there's so much we could have done to prevent this. What would you have suggested it could have done could have been, could have been done to uh change this from happening now? For one thing, I would say sure we stop using all that you know total oh, I'm gonna say the word b s okay about war for talent when there never was a war for talent because predominantly especially the majority of jobs that were open this last year were predominantly waiters and waitresses. Only 50,000 of those jobs were in IT or engineering or sciences. In IT? Yes. See, every time IT, I always have my eyebrow goes up like, what? Because you know I'm on the front line of that, and I'm always looking for folks who are software developers. That's why I was here like, eh. Okay, but the problem is, the question is, see, people are always looking, and they're stocking up on the resumes. But were they hiring? And how many how many positions right now does the companies have that are not filled because they reported it as being open? You got to make a if you're a government contractor, especially you got to report your positions and needs. You got to do a nice little report, especially for compliance. Okay, so you know that's how Department of Labor gets a lot of this stuff too. You know, so how do you? So question is, you report these positions are open. You fill these positions, but then you're still looking for more people. That's common. But then you go, the people are like, we're looking for these people. Then also, by the way, this is what's interesting. They were looking for these This is how urgent these positions need to be filled, okay, because they're taking three to six months to fill them, All okay? Right. All right. right. And they go ahead and say, um, we know we need to fill this position, and we really need it badly, but we must have a college degree for a secretary, and we must make sure that she speaks English 505, okay? And we must make sure that she comes from elite high school college, and we must make sure she's born with a, oh, maybe let's even make, maybe she should be blonde. Maybe she should blue eyes. I don't know. So you're saying that some of these jobs that they're asking for, they're waiting for the perfect person. They want the they want the queen of Sheba to walk in that door, and they're willing to sit down and wait till they get the queen of Sheba, and then they really won't classify it as an open position until the queen of Sheba walks in, because there really isn't that much need. If there was a need, you there was, a so you're saying if there, if there was a need, they would train or lower the standards, or maybe not lower the standards, but you wouldn't need a college degree for a secretary, for example. You would look at experience. You well, that's not that's not every company. I know the company you're talking of, and every company does not require a college degree. A lot degree. of companies, not just some of one. I'm talking about several. 
I'm talking about several because we see this right now. The, the college degree thing has become so prevalent. It has been a huge factor in America, and I don't understand because they won't look to three magic words or equivalent experience. And what does that do? You know why? Because you can get, with using the R equivalent experience, you can get rid of an individual who, Madame, um, baby boomer, for example, who didn't go to college. Because the computer science degree is only, what, 10 years old? 20, 85. 80, uh, okay. That's in computer science world, yeah. Let's go ahead and, I mean, it's not as if people can't have experience working in the job for 25 years doing the same thing. But no, instead of training the employees you have as well, you're going out there and you're looking, instead of trying to train and promote from within, no, I'm sorry. And that's because it's, if you can get someone outside, you can from charge, India? pay them pay them cheaper? Yeah, well, I mean, see, okay, we got problems, we have issues with communication problems, but let's go find somebody who can't speak English properly and pay them a hell of a lot less. There are a lot of people in India who speak better English than we do. I'm not I'm not going to disagree with that, but there's a lot of them who can't speak English very well and don't have the very full comprehension. There are a lot of Americans who can't speak English exactly. well. Exactly. Okay, yes. <laughs> you know what? The difference is is that they get to pay them 4 bucks an hour and they'd have to pay us 12. Hmm. And you know what? That's the reason last year we had I mean a tremendous number of illegal H-1B visas. I'm, I, I'm sorry, but you've got people working. Mike's son works three jobs, three jobs, trying to keep himself above water, keep his head floating. Do you? I mean, in a way, he's taking two jobs from people. Is, would, would, he, would he be a good sample? I mean, his, his situation may be unique. No, because he's not. A lot of his friends also have two or three jobs. This is very common with the people of his age group. We can't, I mean, again, inflation is the worst it has been in 17 years. Salaries are going backwards, not forwards. In other words, you today are making less money than your grandfather. Uh, being adjusted for inflation. Adjusted for inflation. By over $12,000. And what's even sadder, we tend not to notice it as well because we have two income households. Problem is, if your wife or I stop working, my household could fall apart. I know, but at least back in those good old days when Daddy was the only one working, if Daddy stopped working because something happened, Mommy could go to work and she could help. But you don't have that here in America anymore. People buy based upon two incomes. They live based upon two incomes. So should one income ever go away or expire, that's the end of that family. And you know what? It's so interesting. Do you know that America, oh, my gosh, in regards to poverty, do you know that the wealth in America is that what, 90% of the population, well, actually 2% of the population owns 90% of our wealth. Now, Japan is the next wealthiest country in the world. And they're having a dickens of a time right but now, But, no, too. Japan, actually, you know what? They're almost equal. Almost their whole population the wealth is equally distributed. Do you know also what's interesting? Did you know that America pretty much is one of the only countries that their own people will think that it's our, it's an individual's responsibility, not the government's responsibility to help individuals? It's, it's an individual's responsibility to help themselves, sure. Um, that's pretty much, do you know that we're pretty much the only country who believes that? 
So if someone, if, if I am ambitious and want to start a business and someone else does not, and I start to make money and make, make um I started to make money and start to improve my lifestyle and so forth. Mm-hmm. And whereas the other person on the other side does not, then I should be responsible for them because they don't want to do their own business or they don't want to do something to help themselves, so i got to be responsible for them. You see, that's where we get, get kind of confused about responsibility, unresponsibility, who's responsible, who's not responsible, that kind of stuff, okay? In regards to, for example, wages and et cetera, I'm working hard just like you do, okay, and we all have that experience um, to do our job as well as we can. Problem is, it's the economy or our government who keeps giving tax breaks to the rich, but we don't think of it that way. Well, that's a whole other. I mean, the rich wait, 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 wait. We got the time on the clock says this podcast is about over. Any oh. parting words uh, to sum gotta, all this up? I'm going to say something that. This was back in 2002. This is going to catch you. There right. 30, yeah, wait, yeah, 30, seconds for, 30 seconds before we cut off. Go on. Okay. There are 35 million black people in the United States. The annual earnings of this community added up to $450 billion. Now, it's not quite fair to compare annual earnings to net worth, but you got to tell you, the CEOs, they were getting pretty much to $500 billion. But it remains remarkable in America that 30 people in this country have assets that are greater than the 35 million black people in the United States. Now, the thing is, we keep giving, allowing these the rich to become richer in America, and we assume that we to helping our poor or helping ourselves, because guess what? You're now considered poor. I'm now considered poor, because guess what? There's no more middle class right now in America. We have gotten rid of the middle class. When you've got 2% of America's population controlling 85 to 90% of our wealth, it's time to wake up and see what's going on. And on that note, uh, we're going to cease the podcast at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, I do appreciate uh, you guys listening to those who are still here. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't want to discount that it's not important what you're saying. I'm just—it's just my way of teasing Karen. So don't don't take it that I'm not taking this as seriously as she is. He is. He really is. Uh, he... I just like to tease Karen quite a bit. But if you have any questions or comments about any of these things that Karen has been ranting about, um, feel free to give us an email. You can reach me at Jim Stroud. It's J I M S T R O U D at jimstroud.com or Karen, K A R E N at jimstroud.com, and. It's been fun. It has been. Thank you for letting me run. I needed to get that off my chest. I'm oh, so I excited. know it. I wanted to share it with the world. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> so let's all say bye-bye. Bye-bye, Jim. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!